Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in to this final day of October. My goodness, that went by fast. Well, fortunately, at least in our neck of the woods in the Midwest, we've got some beautiful weather. Um, 72, I think, on Wednesday. Uh, so we've uh, really been enjoying uh, kind of like uh, still a little bit of uh, summer slash fall. Um, but I do want to say we have a brand new updated website and there are still some glitches on some of the pages, but we did this over the weekend. The website, StandUpForTheTruth.com, changed over. So if you've been having a problem accessing the podcast, please try again. Right now, please try again um, and and uh, share the podcast. Because if you tried to click on any link on social media over the weekend, it did not work. It did not go to StandUpForTheTruth.com. It just came up as... Um, I don't know what it, what it was like. Uh, it's not there. It's not available. So um, no content, nothing found, no results or whatever. Now, if you click on anything on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you are in social media, it should go to the right page and it should open up the podcast. So please check on that. There are still some problems with visibility, but we are working through this. We had to move everything over to a new website because it was so heavy with content and the podcasts go back. It took up so much space. We also changed servers. So we should not have issues with the site going down as often as it did in the last several years. So we made some big changes over the weekend. All that to say, please check out. It's not fancy and no bells and whistles, but just the basics, easier to navigate. And hopefully you can find your way around. Stand up for the truth. Dot com. So check that out when you get a chance. Now, today being Halloween, we haven't done a show on Halloween for quite some time. So I want to just start off by reading some scriptures. And let's start off with basically the difference between darkness and light. And I'm going to share with you my my transition on in my own thinking on how do we approach Halloween as Bible-believing Christians. Because I kind of, I, I found, I believe, a pretty healthy balance. And I used to go from one extreme to the other. Now, I want to read John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it, talking about Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Psalm eighteen twenty eight. For it is you who light my lamp, and the Lord my God lightens my darkness. Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 7, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Ephesians 5, 7 through 11. So let's take that last thought and let's examine what are unfruitful deeds of darkness and what is it what does the Bible teach about us not conforming to the world? It says, do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? The Word of God. Um, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Bible is truth. Get the truth in you. And what does it mean to uh, do not be partakers? Do not be partakers in deeds of darkness, so to speak. So let's talk about Halloween. Before I do that, I, a couple um, articles I've just pulled off recently uh, what Hollywood is putting out. 
Hocus Pocus 2. I guess it's a movie that came out a couple decades ago with who's in it? Um, I'm trying to see who. It doesn't matter. But it, oh, 1993 it came out. So it promotes dangerous occult themes, according to movieguide.org. And God wants us to avoid witchcraft and sorcery. This is movieguide.org, Hocus Pocus 2. It says, it, it, Disney released this, by the way. It's a sequel, Halloween movie, normalizing the occult and pagan beliefs. I'm just giving you a heads up. Some of you might have even seen this already with your children. Is it family friendly? Remember, friends, I don't care if you have children, young children or not. They are redefining the truth. They are redefining language today. So family friendly today is certainly not what our grandparents or great grandparents deemed family friendly. And it certainly is not what our founding fathers deemed family friendly. And it certainly would not be what the Bible would perhaps um, clarify as family friendly. Are you kidding me? So let's just talk about these things because they are influencing our children. So if we have time at the end of this, by the way, um, uh, it's, there's positive references to witchcraft, casting spells, occult rituals. There, the songs in this movie, Hocus Pocus 2, some of the songs are called I Will Put a Spell on You. Another one is called Children, I Smell Children. Come out wherever you are. Why don't you stay for supper? Uh, what is that talking about, right? So now, uh, if we have time, this next one over at faithwire.com, why are witchcraft, Ouija boards, tarot, horoscopes, and the occult raging, increasing in popularity today? We'll talk about that because the Bible condemns these practices, purposefully using the word practices. All right. The fascination, the fascination with evil in society right now. We have a huge interest in the supernatural, right? Uh, people don't know where to turn to learn the truth about this, so they're turning to the wrong side. They're not turning to the Bible. They're not coming to church. Where are they going? Hollywood, the internet, um, the spells, and all this, the witchcraft, Harry Potter, and we'll talk about that in a minute because it's necessary, friends. We need to. And I will say this, there is no condemnation for those who are, who are in Christ Jesus. If you raised your kids on Harry Potter casting spells and the occult-driven themes in some of those books and movies, don't beat yourself up right now, but acknowledge that that was probably a mistake on your part. I've, uh, I've wrote about this in a, in a book called The Cost of Our Silence and one of the chapters about Christians and witchcraft I'm just going to read this. First of all, one more headline. Doing little spells. I don't know who this is, but actress Vanessa Hudgens reportedly embraces witchcraft and plans to release a film revealing the journey into the supernatural realm. And when you hear that, you know it's not the Bible, right? You know it's not Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. It's another, some other supernatural way to a new consciousness, or as Oprah used to call it, Christ consciousness. It's new age. It's occult-driven. It's demonic. So the intro in, in this chapter that I wrote on witchcraft about, I don't know, five, seven years ago, the darkness of the occult and witchcraft has, to a great degree, been accepted in our society. But the question is... Um, to what extent has it seeped into our churches and how are, how, how are our children being influenced? So every year, Christians debate holidays, even Christmas, right? Holidays, the meaning, the background, the history, holy days, celebrations, symbols. Should we be celebrating these things? What, so let's talk about the, in context here today, Halloween. Is it really evil? Can it be redeemed by calling it by another name? So it's a, it's not Halloween. It's a harvest festival, right? They're dre- dressing up like demonic, uh, you know, in costumes and stuff, but it's, it's a harvest festival and we're having it at our church, right? <laughs> but jeez, but you're still using these evil things, these costumes. Um, I've heard Halloween described as harmless, satanic, fun, evil, innocent. Demonically inspired. So what is the balance here, friends? I'm, 
Christians should not celebrate holidays the same way the world does. And so what, what are concerned Christian parents to do? Their kid, their kids just want to have fun. They want to eat a bunch of candy. All of their friends are doing it, right? All of my friends are going trick or treating. They're all doing it. They're going to this Halloween party. They're whatever. Fill in the blank. So make your own decision before God. And I want to encourage you right at the top of the podcast here. Do not judge your, your neighbor in Christ, your, your Christian brother or sister. Either way, do not judge them. Either way. But let's get them information that they might need that might be helpful to this to help them make a better decision. I mean, better just assuming that some don't see any problem with Halloween. Um, where is that article? I got one by Eric Barger. By the way, I'll put a bunch of links to these articles. Um, Good Fight Ministries, Eric Barger, uh, Lighthouse Trails, Harbingers Daily, um, Midwest Christian Outreach. There's one by Marsha Montenegro that's, that's very interesting. And she doesn't think it's as big of a deal as, as others do for children to go, Christian children to go trick or treating. <clears throat> Eric Barger said, <clears throat> Um, the word Halloween actually has its origins in the Catholic Church. It comes from the words All Hallows Eve or Day or All Saints Day. Um, the holiday was founded to try to d- divert attention away from the pagan practices taking place on this day each October um, the 31st, though perhaps well-intentioned, trying to, quote, Christianize pagan practices can never be pleasing to God. Eric Barger continues, In occult and witchcraft circles, October 31st represents a day of worship called Samhain, pronounced Samhain. This is the Celtic New Year. Celtic people were worshipers of earth gods, woodland spirits, sun deities. Um, the spirits of all those who had died throughout the year would come back according to to the tradition, in search of living bodies to possess for the next year. It was believed to be their only hope for entering the afterlife. So isn't that a counterfeit? Isn't that a perversion of the gospel? Thinking that these spirits of people that have died would come back seeking bodies to possess. That's their only way to eternal life. Um, Halloween is focused on the worship and even contact of dead ancestors or spirits and communicating with them in the spirit realm. God forbids contacting any spirit unless it's the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to have to go over to another scripture here. Let's do this really quick. Actually, um, let me just keep reading. He he has several sections in this article. Trick-or-treat, the jack-o'-lantern, witches, the black cat, uh, dressing in costumes, and Deuteronomy eighteen ten through 12 says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of the times, or an enchanter, or a witch. Again, they're not, there shall not be found among you or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God drives them out before you. Now, that's Deuteronomy eighteen ten through 12. <clears throat> Is that too harsh? I know, I know, I know, moms. I know you're... you're Young child, son or daughter, they, they they look cute in those costumes. I know. And all their friends are doing it. I know. I see them. Now, let me just, I'm going to just give you the punchline at, at the beginning here, toward the beginning. <laughs> um, I used to have nothing to do with Halloween once I rededicated my life to the Lord. Um, years ago, I used to go to Halloween parties, even dress up in costumes years ago. But then I, I flipped it the whole on a whole another way, saying, "Nope, I would shut out our shut off the lights, close the blinds. I would not hand out candy. I would not participate in any way. I would not want any demonic spirits 
that people might bring on my property, on my, to my doorstep. Um, and I was just really that rigid about it. Now, however, this morning I just sent, I just set up inside our, our front door, big, big bowl of different candies. And right next to all that, that big bowl of treats, I have gospel tracks, different kinds of gospel tracks and information on our local church saying, are you 100% sure, sure you are going to heaven? So I've got those gospel tracks and I've got some other gospel tracks from Living Waters and from other places. So I'm going to give a handful of candy and a couple gospel tracks. And when they, when I, when I answer the door and wh- whether they say trick or treat or not, I, my response is, Hi, kids. Jesus will never trick you. And the biggest treat in the world any human being could receive is salvation in heaven, to be able to go to heaven and be with Jesus. Here's some candy. Here's some gospel tracts. Give this to your mom and dad. God bless you and be safe. So that's my response now. I used to be completely rigid, wanting nothing to do with it. And I even was probably judgmental toward Christian parents that would take their kids trick-or-treating. But now I just assume that almost every child coming to our door, because you can look at culture studies from Barna, Pew, Research, Lifeway. You can look at all these polls and surveys. I, it's safe to assume almost every child that comes to your door is not from a Christian family. So you should tell them the very basics, the truth. Even quote John 3.16 to them. They may have heard it. They may not have. Assume that they don't know anything about Christianity. Assume that they are not believers. Assume that they don't have parents who take them to church. Assume that. So you can say, if, if they're older kids, say, here's a tract for you. There's one that says, uh, the, the only cure. And it's talking about Jesus. Um, assume that they, if they're young, older kids, like, Teenagers are old. Maybe they can read the tracks. Here's something for you to read later. I, please, I hope you read it. If you have any questions, come back and and uh, let me know. But if they're young children, give them the candy. Say, God would never trick you or Jesus would never trick you. And the biggest treat you could ever have is to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever after you die. And then give them a gospel tract. Say, give, please give that to your mom or dad. So that's how I do it now. So I just wanted to say that because some of the scriptures, they're pretty serious. I mean, Deuteronomy 18 saying, uh, whoever does these things is, is an abomination. These things are an abomination to the Lord, talking about witchcraft. And so, um, remember what I read on the, other, the show, um, the other day we did a show about the drag queens, the history, the dark demonic history of Drag Queen Story Hour. We did that on Friday. Thank you for your positive response to that, by the way. I encourage you to share that. There's a lot of information that goes back to the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. This Drag Queen Story Hour, by the way, and that's demonic. There are some occult influences when it comes to that. But it says in Deuteronomy 22.5, a, a woman shall not wear a man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is a, an abomination before the Lord. So, if your son dresses as a woman, it's an abomination. If your daughter dresses as a man, it's an abomination. I don't care if it's a Halloween costume. Look at what the scriptures say. Take it up with God. Don't shoot the messenger. And God bless you. Take it up with the scriptures. Um, so there's so much more to get into. We've got to take a break in a minute. Um, we're going to just talk about more of these articles. Like I said, I will put them in the podcast notes today at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Is Halloween a satanic holiday? And should Christians celebrate it? If if so, how? Well, the key word is celebrate. Celebrate. Remember, Ephesians 5 and other places says, do not participate in these unfruitful deeds of darkness. So you've got to define, as Christians, we need to define what are unfruitful deeds of darkness. And what are we not supposed to practice? What are we not supposed to participate in? How are we to abide by Jesus in Jesus and follow the scripture like do not conform to the world? Um, my goodness, it's astounding. I mean, we'll talk more about this when we come back. But uh, we've got more on Halloween and facts, myths, and marketing. Man, is it huge. Second only to Christmas. More next on Stand Up For The Truth. 
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Halloween, facts, myth, and marketing. Uh, Marsha Montenegro has a very interesting take on this. Um, of course, Halloween comes from the eve of All Hallows Day or All Saints Day, which is November 1st. So Halloween, like this is the eve of. And it's also Happy Reformation Day. Happy Reformation Day. Um, and so there's a meme that got uh, Martin Luther nailing the, the, uh, his 95 Theses to the door of the Wittenberg uh, Church. You know, when he, the Reformation Day, right? So he's nailing the theses, and there's a meme with some men behind him. Supposedly, they just asked a question, and his response is, No, 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 I'm not trying to fix the door. I'm trying to fix their theology. <laughs> That's funny. I thought it was funny. So she says this, Marcia Montenegro, and I've had her on the podcast. She was on a couple months ago, uh, handing out candy, trick or treating, carving pumpkins are not pagan activities. No matter what the tales are that supposedly give pagan origins to these, and there's little evidence, doing them is not a spiritual activity, but a carnal or cultural or commercial activity. Halloween is one of, is one of the eight sacred or special days of celebration for many in the pagan community. But holidays are connected to the pagans' reverence for nature and the seasonal changes and sometimes these beliefs incorporate and celebrate the stories of pagan gods. Now, I do agree with her. She says Christians should consider Halloween a good day to pray for those in the occult, those who are trapped in the bondage of the occult and witchcraft. Pray for them. Amen. Amen. So that they would come to know the, the, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And then she said Christians... Uh, one would hope that Christians wouldn't let their child dress up as a witch, demon, devil, ghost, or other figure that belonged to the world of death or the occult. And then she says churches can offer alternative celebrations. Now, that's a big debate right there in the church. I'm not saying either way. I'm not telling, here's what I think. Some churches do it well, and they focus on the gospel, and they really teach the kids. Other churches kind of conform to the world a little too much or try to just under the guise of entertaining the kids. But there's Harvest Day. There's You can have an area where children can have treats and hear Bible stories. There are ways to do this. Um, and remember Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. So October 31st happens to be a pagan holiday today. That does not mean it is inherently evil because a day in and of itself can't be evil. This is a day of the calendar, right? This is the, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. So she says a day, the day itself is not evil. And I would tend to agree with her on that. Um, but then she says origins do not matter as much as how it, as it is celebrated. I think both are important. Origins and the history of something, plus how it is celebrated now. So she does say at the end of the article, no one should be criticized for their choices. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. She does say what matters more is, now criticize, don't judge, don't criticize, especially uh, people that don't believe in Christ. If they're if they're not Christians, they can do anything they want, and you're not going to change their mind. They don't know God. They don't have the light of Christ. And they aren't instructed to do this, the many, many, many things we are to do to be the light of the world and not conform. Uh, she says, what matters more is the ongoing promotion throughout the year. This is important. What matters more is the ongoing promotion throughout the year of the occult in books, movies, TV shows, and video games. So why focus so much on one day? So Marsha Montenegro was on the podcast here on Stand Up For The Truth a few months ago. She was a professional astrologer and a new ager for many, many years and radically transformed now by Jesus Christ. So that article, let me, let me see, we'll, we'll put that in the podcast notes 
at StandUpForTheTruth.com. That one's called um, Halloween Facts, Myths, and Marketing. We'll put that in. Now, let's go to this other one. Um, by the way, remember I was talking about the, the growing fascination in America with zombies, vampires, death, the occult? This is a, throughout the year, the supernatural. Well, think about what it's, all, it's always a counterfeit of the truth, a counterfeit of scriptures, a perversion of the gospel, and zombies. What are zombies? Like The Walking Dead. I guess it's a movie now or a TV series that's it's, it's in its whatever, 15th year. I don't know. But it's a show about zombies. So I guess some people die, and then they come back to life, right? They're zombies, and then you have to kill them again. But then they come back to life. I don't understand, but I do know this. The fascination behind it is with the perversion of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the only one, the first fruits. We are then to be resurrected after Christ. Those who believe, we will get resurrected bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Jesus, he destroyed death and sin and the curse. But human beings coming back to life like zombies, right? It's this, it's this fantasy and fascination that we have, human beings have, with the, the idea of living forever, I guess, coming back to life at least, and then being killed again. <laughs> if they can kill a zombie, I guess, yes, they do. You got to take them apart limb by limb. But so there's a reason behind this fascination. Uh, witchcraft, by the way, has gone mainstream. Casting spells. Oh, that's cool. Black magic is exciting. Fortune telling is fun. Astrology. Yay. Um, horoscopes. What's your horoscope today? Killing zombies is sport. Are these just harmless? Or is there something more evil behind the fascination? So the modern spirits, and there is either the Holy Spirit or demonic spirits. The modern spirits behind these practices and ideas, I just rattled off some of them, and the products of Hollywood and the gaming industry that is so violent. They How often... When someone shoots somebody do you, or goes on a rampage, do you ever hear anything about the violence in video games? These kids are playing these games for years. Mortal Kombat and other games. And they're shooting and killing people, whether it's zombies or anything else. They're shooting and killing. Anyway, that's another podcast. So they are certainly not acknowledging Jesus, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22 says, but examine everything carefully. Another translation says, but test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So believers in Christ, once we are converted and changed, we are new creations in Christ. We are to resist, expose, and stand against sin, not invited into our homes. And that means through video games. And that means through the Internet and anything else. So going back to Harry Potter, you know, they talk about witchcraft. Um, in the NEA, the National Education Association, they have teachers' curriculums uh, based on Harry Potter. Did you know that? There's actually Harry Potter lesson plans. At least the last time I checked a couple of years ago, They've had this for a decade or more, um, maybe two decades. Harry Potter lesson plans. What do they teach? Casting spells, witchcraft. It's, is it Holy Spirit influenced or is it occult influenced? You know the answer to that. So again, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying you need to beat yourself up if you brought up your kids thinking Harry Potter was the greatest thing since pumpkin spice lattes or whatever. <laughs> I put that in there. So, but let me tell you this. The church, Wicca, you know Wicca is a religion? The Church of the Wiccan Interfaith Council International, Wicca, it describes itself as a nonprofit religious educational organization. They hold a 501c3 status with the federal government. That's how they can get into churches, and that's how we can have these Harry Potter lesson plans and talk about Wicca and 
and the occult and different things, witches and goblins and whatever else. Wicca is a, it's a religion. It's a nonprofit. Oh, what about the separation of church and state? Well, it doesn't matter for Wicca or for Buddhism or for Islam or for humanism or for secular progressivism or for some of these other demonic philosophies of the world. But you keep Christianity out of the public schools. You keep that out. You keep the Bible out and Jesus. Everything else, it's allowed in. ABC, anything but Christ. So let me go on now. Eric Barger writes, um, he goes through a list of nine things from that passage of Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12. Human sacrifice. In ancient times, they would offer children to false gods. Remember Molech? That's kind of what Planned Parenthood does today. The bonfire, they would have gods of fire, and that was used by pagans who worshipped fire gods like Baal. To appease these gods, they would offer children in the fire. Number two, the Bible says these are all abominations, fortune-telling, divination. If you watch TV, you can't miss the advertisements of psychics and people who supposedly know the future or your future. That practice is condemned in the Bible. Number three, What's an observer of the times? This is astrology. Christians do not believe that the stars can guide their lives. Jesus is our guide. God gives us wisdom, and our lives are in his hands. Our times are in his hands, the Bible says. Christians believe that God guides us through his word, not stars, not astrology, not predictions. Number four, an enchanter. That's a person who uses chants. Chanting to cast spells. That's an abomination, according to the Bible that you and I profess to believe in. And witches. Witches are not make-believe. Exodus 22.18 says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Though the New Testament uh, Christians certainly do not condone the Old Testament practice of executing witches, the fact is they have become accepted members in our culture today. Witches are interviewed on TV, they're, they're drawing in young children, and they're kind of popularized by television. Number six, these are all abominations. Again, by Scripture, what's a charmer? Objects that are made by someone to protect you or curse others. That's a charmed. Remember that? Was that a TV, the movie or TV show, Charmed? Number seven, a consulter of familiar spirits. A familiar spirit is a spirit that impersonates someone who is dead. That's a consulter of familiar spirits. Number eight, a wizard, magician, or a sorcerer. Ooh, now we're getting into Harry Potter land, friends. The Bible calls that an abomination. A person who uses magic to control people or uses occult practices. Occult practices, not biblical practices, but occult practices to entice people into witchcraft. And number nine, necromancer. That's someone who claims to contact the dead. Necromancy. Again, Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12. Uh, in Acts chapter 19, interesting verses, verses 18 through 20, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds, many of them also which used, with, which used curious arts, brought their books, like casting spells and magician stuff, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. But they had to get rid of their old lives. They had to get rid of the abominations. And symbolically, we're not saying to burn every Harry Potter book or movie or whatever else you have in your house. But that's what they did symbolically as an offering to the Lord in a way. And then it says, so mightily grew the word of God. And prevail, but they burned their old arts and magic and cast, you know, th their stuff. Um, so let's go on now. That was from Eric Barger. That was a good article, obviously. Now, another lengthy article here from Lighthouse Trails Research. Now, this is from uh, former New Ager Johanna Michelson, and it's also available at Lighthouse Trails as a booklet. Um, let's see, just a couple notes from this. Remember the reason that Jesus said, John 3, 8, another reason, obviously, he came to redeem us and to offer his life as a ransom for many. Uh, John, I think it's 1 John. 1 John 3, verse 8 says, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy 
the works of the devil. That's another reason Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So now let's talk about churches. Even in the church, any number of evangelical churches, Catholic churches, whatever, um, they're mindful of their youth programs and ministries, and some of them sponsor haunted houses. They do it. They do these things. Uh, one of them out in uh, California for, gosh, 30 years, they sponsored this. Um, Youth for Christ was in, even involved with this. They co-sponsored a uh, horror night called Scream in the Dark. And it was held every night as a moneymaker to raise funds a week before Halloween. Can you see the contradiction here? Can you see the problem? And while many churches have switched from Halloween activities to alternative events, <laughs> harvest parties, you know, a lot of Christians still allow their children to celebrate it by going door to door. We talked about this. How you dress them up, does that matter? Well, now, she refers to Kirk Cameron, who I absolutely respect and admire, I love that brother. Uh, he does so much work uh, for the kingdom. He really does. And he's really gospel-centered. He once said that Christians should have the biggest Halloween party on your block. I love him, but I disagree with him there. Um, and, and what kind of Halloween party? I, I think you need more context there, so I'll let that go. Um, but is church sponsoring horror or a Halloween party a good idea, like a haunted house? I would say no. But let's get all the context, the reasons behind it and, and what you're doing and are you sharing the gospel? Is it is it death-focused and gory and all that? And there was a Lutheran church in New York that always sponsored a chamber of horrors. So Halloween has become a full-fledged national children's play day, but for, th- for hundreds of thousands of people in the West, it is a sacred time. When we come back from our break, we're going to explain what we mean by sacred talking about the origins and traditions that can be traced back thousands of years, just as helpful information for you to just be informed on this. Thanks for uh, staying with us. A lot more coming up on Stand Up For The Truth, and we'll put the blogs in the podcast today. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Okay, the origins and traditions of Halloween can be traced back thousands of years to the day of the ancient Celts, <laughs> Celts, <laughs> and their priests, the Druids. Um, October 31, the eve of October 31, marked the transition from summer into the darkness of winter. The Feast of Samhain, was a fearsome night, a dreaded night, in which great bonfires were lit, according to some pagan traditions, to Samana, the Lord of Death, the dark Aryan god who was known as the Grim Reaper, the leader of the ancestral ghosts. On this night, the spirits of the dead rose up, darker creatures filled the night, evil witches flying through the night, goblins, uh, demons, fairies, and ghouls, roamed about as the doors of the um, of these mounds, burial mounds, opened wide, allowing them free access to the world of living men. So it was feared that unless these spirits were appeased and soothed with offerings and gifts, that they would wreak havoc, mischief, and vengeance by destroying crops, killing cattle, turning milk sour, and generally making life miserable. These, this is what they believed. Uh, so, But then they thought, well, wait a minute, merely feeding the spirits might not be enough to send them away. So arose the practice of dressing in masks and costumes. They carried jack-o'-lanterns to light their way. They uh, turnips or potatoes with fearful demonic faces carved into them. They'd carry those or they put them outside. Uh, villagers disguise themselves as these creatures um, to try to, you know, encourage the ghosts or the spirits to leave. And they lit bonfires in different countries. But unspeakable sacrifices because of the fires to pe- appease the fire, the fire god, they were offered by Druid priests to this Lord of Death. And the horrible rite of human sacrifice was sometimes carried out. Now, a historian, Tacitus, alludes to the fact that the Druids of Anglesia 
covered their altars with the blood of captives. In other words, uh, human sacrifice was frequent and common in their, quote, religious procedure, and captives, meaning prisoners, right? They would sacrifice them. He tells us that Tacitus says that no sacrifice might be carried out except in the presence of a Druid, capital D, Druid, the priest. So Caesar, in his commentaries, Caesar speaks of the great wicker images in which the Druids were said to burn scores of people alive. Some modern witches may still deny that the Druidic religion um, offered human and animal sacrifice, but we know if you talk to local police in some parts of the country, they'll tell you about finding animal carcasses uh, the day after Halloween or things we would rather not mention on this podcast. But the Druids is a Gaelic word meaning a wise man or magician. And these priests would carefully watch their victims suffer in the fire and from their death agonies would foretell the future of the village. Sacrificial victims were also burned in their fires during the spring festival of Beltane, held on the eve of the 1st of May as part of their fertility rites. So it goes beyond Halloween, these beliefs and these fires and sacrifice. But um, the spirit of Halloween is more accurately discerned today as we move on now to modern times. Reminders throughout the year, there's stuff. Um, horror movies, DVDs released in honor of the season, um, so sp- what about spirited communion? Modern witches would deny their celebration has anything to do with the demonic horrors depicted in films. But again, this celebration, this holiday today, Halloween, October 31st is one of the four greater sabbats held during the year. It's the time of harvest Celebration, the season in which the great goddess goes to sleep for the long winter months, giving way to the horned god of hunting and death, who will rule until her return the 1st of May. Isn't that interesting? Some of these traditions and beliefs. Now, um, it's, a, it's to them a time of feasting and joyful celebration, but it's also a time for communing with the spirits of the dead. Um. These are actual, we got some quotes from people professing to be witches, and they say Halloween has always been the festival of the dead and believed to be the best time to contact those who had passed over. Spiritualists try to contact the departed by means of spirit guides, American Indians, Chinese men, nuns, priests, and even using little girls. Witches tried to make contact through the god of death himself. Some would hold a skull in their hands, between their hands, using it as kind of like a crystal ball of sorts. So now there's there's talk about several years ago. I don't know if you remember. There was an article in the L.A. Times, Los Angeles Times. There was a story on witches and a certain coven's celebration during Halloween. And witches celebrate their most important holiday when they believe the veil between the worlds becomes thin making visits with the spirits on the other side possible. Some witches use the Ouija board. Others may use a crystal ball and and, some of the other practices, right? So this is all background. This is all what other people believe and what some have believed through the centuries. And the witches are are spending Halloween tucking in their goddess for the long winter sleep. (laughs) Isn't that funny? But that's what they believe. Some of them really believe that. And they are equally as serious about Halloween as we are about Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, or about the birth of Jesus Christ, which may technically be in September, but we celebrate on December 25th. But so celebrations, it depends on how we look at these things. So now let's talk about Satanists. Some um, have their own traditions and beliefs and practices some which are very driven by the demonic, they, the sacrifices that they demand are not symbolic. Like they, they are really thinking they're following Satan, which they are if they're not following God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, they believe the blood sacrifice of 
innocence, which Satan demands as the ultimate blasphemy it's a, and a sign of devotion to him, to Satan. Police across the country, just just talk to, if you know local police officers, talk to them. What, what happens? Do you find anything, any evidence of this activity the day after, like November 1st, or then the days following Halloween? And yeah, I don't even want to tell about what they do um, to some animals, and possibly, yes, unfortunately, some some children. It, it does happen. Obviously not as frequent, but it's dark, friends. Do you understand? They're not pursuing God. They're pursuing other gods and demonic entities that will cause them to do things that are irrational and evil. Test all things. Test the spirits to see if they are from God. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So because of its innocence and frailty, a tiny child is viewed by serious Satanists as a perfect sacrifice to their master. And this is the perversion, right? We think about Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ, the word become flesh. The infant is seen as a representation of the Christ child, and it is Jesus whom they are blaspheming and symbolically destroying in any torture or slaying of a child. And that's what some have admitted the abortion ritual is, the practice of abortion. They think they are slaying this child, the innocence of this child, as a mockery of the babe born in a stable in Bethlehem. Isn't that demonic? Yes, it is. So now we have to get to the serious, another serious aspect that Halloween is a prime recruiting season for Satanists. Some may plant kids at the schools who are there in schools for the purpose of discerning potential members or victims among the students to to be taken to their cults. The Dungeons and Dragons clubs are key hunting grounds for them as other groups and clubs based on medieval themes. Friends, you don't think this is possible that Satanists and, and people who would want to do evil and harm children would send their children into these clubs to recruit even Christian children? So... Talk, let's talk about imitators of God. We've got to wrap this up in a few minutes. Should your family practice or participate in the tradition or the traditional Halloween celebrations? Absolutely. If you and your children are witches, Satanists, humanists, atheists, pagans, and anything other than born-again Christians. Now, for a true Christian to participate in the ancient trappings of Halloween, that's as incongruous As for a committed cult Satanist coming from a blood sacrifice on Christmas Eve to all of a sudden set up the music and a cross in in his living room and then sing Silent Night, Silent Night, Holy Night with heartfelt, sincere devotion. No, it's, it is, there's a problem there. No. So, but again, it comes, how do you define the word celebrate? Should you celebrate? How do you celebrate? We celebrate this day and this night as another opportunity for evangelism. It's National Evangelism Day. But let's take, take it a step further talking about being an imitator of God and ask the question, can you picture the Lord Jesus dressing up as Satan? Can you picture Jesus or the disciples on the Feast of Samhain dressing up, giving a nifty party in honor of the tradition, maybe to draw in other people, the Jewish people at that time in Jerusalem and the surrounding Areas, can you imagine them dressing up, using worldly means to draw people in? I don't think so. <laughs> can you imagine? Um, anyway, that's just another thought that was in this article. I thought, wow, that's insightful. And that's from Lighthouse Trails, uh, the article by j- former New Ager and occultist Joanna Michelson. Um, so it's a day that virtually today, tonight especially, Virtually every occult practice that God has called an abomination is glorified, even though these things are popularized throughout the year and glorified on TV and video games. But read for your enjoyment and edification, I should say. I'm not mocking this at all. Read Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14, about conjuring spells, being a medium, a spiritist, or someone who practices witchcraft, soothsaying. Um, And let me just read... Do not be unequally yoked. 
and do not have fellowship with unrighteousness, with the darkness. You are the temple of God. And come out from among them and be ye separate, the Bible says. Second Corinthians chapter 6. How do we come out from among them and be ye separate? separate if our kids are dressing up in demonic costumes and we're celebrating in the same ways? Now, again, if you just tuned in, you might think I'm being harsh. I told you what I do. I've got the, the big bowl of Halloween candy set up by our front door next to gospel tracks and a Bible tract from our church, De Pere, Wisconsin, Christ the Rock, saying, are you 100% sure you are going to heaven after you die? I give all these gospel tracts out with the candy and saying Jesus will never trick you. And the biggest treat you could ever receive is to go to heaven after you die and be with Jesus forever. And then I'll say, give, here's the candy. Be safe. God bless you tonight. And here, give these, give these to your parents to read. Make the assumption that everyone who, who comes to your door does not know God, has never heard the gospel, and does not come from a Christian family. Make that assumption. That's a safe assumption. So, witnessing, it's an opportunity tonight on National Evangelism Day, right? Let's call it National Evangelism Day. They come to your door. They come to you. And you're on your property. You have the right to say whatever you want. If someone gets offended, someone's mom or dad and says, hey, you shouldn't be talking about religion. It's just we're celebrating Halloween. I said, well, exactly. Well, you should respect my religious beliefs that I do not want to celebrate it in the same way you do. So I want to honor God. Please read this. I would love for you to read this. If you have any questions, you know where I live. And hopefully your house won't be egged. But remember, also, think about those who have gone to be with the Lord and honor them today as your thoughts, uh, in your thoughts. Honor them. Honor the martyrs who died to bring the Bible to you. There's things we can do to honor the Lord in this day. Remember, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Second Timothy 1.7. I didn't even get through a lot of the articles I wanted to share, but hopefully you got the heart of this. We need to be balanced in our approach when it comes to any and every holiday and how we celebrate, or if we should celebrate. Okay, guys, God bless you. Thank you. Um, remember to go to our website. It has been revamped. There are some things that are still, we're, get, we're getting the bugs worked out of StandUpForTheTruth.com. But over the weekend, it was carried over to a new server, and now we hopefully will not have those times where the server goes down. So keep us in your prayers, and if you're able to still donate financially, Get a hold of us here. We welcome your donations and faith pledges. And uh, by the way, tomorrow, Mary Danielson joins me for the very first time. She's going to be co-hosting two, three days a week with us here. Uh, Rick Scarborough, Dr. Rick Scarborough on tomorrow, November 1st. We're going to start talking about elections and being a biblical voter and a responsible Christian and citizen in America. Guys, thank you so much for sharing the podcast and for listening. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.